At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. You're with Paige and Amanda been a bit of a slow week with personal news. I think the most exciting thing for me is I got bangs. <laughs> yeah, and it looks amazing. So cute. So I have had, I've talked about this episode one of this podcast. I have had a very difficult relationship with bangs. Really? I have had this feeling that I could just pull off bangs my entire life, and I never could. Really? And so, yes, and I think here's why. Every time I cut bangs before, it was because I was having a mental breakdown. Oh, yeah, that probably played into it a little bit. (laughs) And I I cut them myself. Yeah, that might have been it. Might have been it, but it started in high school where I like wanted to cut bangs, never worked out, and then it got really bad in college. So my sophomore year, I had a boy break up with me. I like cut bangs myself. I like locked myself in my room and my roommate was like, don't do it, Paige, don't do it. I chopped them off. They look terrible. So I had to wear them like clip back for an entire (laughs) semester. An entire semester until they grew out. And of course, I didn't learn my lesson. (laughs) So junior year, I dyed my hair like black. Really? Of course, because another boy broke up with me. Yes. And again, locked myself in my room. Both my roommates banging on the door. (laughs) Don't do it. Dyed my hair black. Cut straight across bangs. Straight across bangs. And looked terrible again. Of course, didn't learn my lesson. Before I did Sports Illustrated in like 2018. Biggest shoot of my life at that time. Your hair looked amazing in that shoot. Like you were you were so hot in that shoot. I don't know. I don't even know where, where you're going with this. But they looked amazing. Two weeks before the shoot. Cut bangs. And they were like, I think I cut them with my eyebrows up. Because when I put my eyebrows back down, they were so short. So short. It looked like Dumb and Dumber. Like, it was so bad. And my mom will always be positive, say whatever she can. I came home crying. And she's like, 
what did you do? <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> so for the whole shoot, we had to, like, push them over to the side and, like, glue them back. Oh yeah. And so this time I was, like, I saw this picture of Hailey Bieber, and I was, like, I want my hair to look like that. And they had bangs, and I was, like, okay, we're, we're doing bangs again. So that, that was my biggest life update. How about you, Amanda? I haven't really done anything this week. I'll be honest. There is, like, nothing that's really happened other than me trying to get better at Apex, which is a first-person shooter game. And I'm still really bad at it it's upsetting because i've been trying really hard but how's the twitch channel it's been good i think uh like i think this week will be a good week because it's like a major week master's week was a lot of fun like people are really into like trying to get the bets in and stuff but it's just been a lot of fun i mean i i know you said you wanted to come on sometime soon so we have that coming up which will be a lot of fun yeah i'm really excited about that yes it is major week it's pga championship week i will say that the buzz surrounding the PGA compared to the Masters is so different. It is so different. And even compared to the other, you know, the Open and the US Open, it just doesn't match up for some reason. I woke up and I'm like, I just don't feel like it's ma like a, I almost said Masters week, like a, <laughs> like a major, major yeah. yeah, it just doesn't quite have it. And we've had a ton of stories um, surrounding the PGA. So you think there'd be a lot of buzz, but no. for me, it just doesn't feel the same. We're going to get into that a little bit later while we preview the PGA. We're going to have a fun guest on. We're going to talk about the course, some picks we like, and um, some of the stories surrounding the PGA. But let's just get right into some golf talk since we don't have anything exciting. Yeah. Uh, last week, it felt like all we had were like these personal stories and things that we've done. And then this week, we're like, yep, I've been playing video games and I cut bangs. <laughs> uh, literally, Paige is like, I got new hair. But this, I think that this, this time though, when you cut your hair, when you had it done, you seem emotionally stable. So that's a good thing. Yeah, no, emotionally stable. But I don't think there was a reason for it. No, and I think that's why they actually look good this time because it was like done with good intentions and not like out a of professional did it. And it, yeah, like not out of spite or because like a boy broke up with me. It's like okay, yeah. no, like life is good, everything's good, so I can't complain. I want to talk about the Byron Nelson because it was a wild tournament. It was. I wasn't expecting it to be that exciting, but mm. we had a really great field and the scores were low. Yeah. So the first question is for you, do you prefer tournaments where the guys go really low or do you like to see the challenge and have them shoot around a couple under, even around par? Yeah, so I am, I'm definitely with more for the latter because I think it's so exciting, like... <laughs> Like, like last or two weeks ago when Max won, right? That was a single digit under par win. I think he won at eight, eight or eight or nine under. So like weeks like that, that's really exciting because no one is ever out of it. Like if you make the cut, you can win. Yeah. Granted, when there's, but then when there's guys that are like 20 shots back, you know, heading into Saturday, like that's kind of tough, 15 shots back. So I think that it's fun. Yeah. Like every once in a while we need the tournaments where the guys go really low. It's a birdie fest, whatever. But we also like that, that shouldn't be the norm, right? Like that's more the norm on the web.com tour. Cause they're not playing as good of courses like corn fairy tour. Like they're playing easier courses. They're not as good at tracks. So you get those third, like, you know, 25, whatever, 30 under par winning scores, not quite 30 under par, but you know what I mean? And that's like, not what I want to see on the PGA tour. Like, when I get the PJ Tour, when I'm watching PJ Tour, I want to see like 15 under max winning it. You know what I mean? Like that for me is because it's it's a challenge and everyone is in it. And it's like when par matters, that's when golf is really exciting to me. And that's why I love the major weeks. Like, but what about what about you? Do you like seeing the guys shooting like 60 constantly or are you more on my 
kind of wavelength? Yes and no. So I definitely like seeing them go really low. I think it is a good reminder that these guys are so good at what they do. And you have, I mean, just like at a leaderboard now, 26 under, 25, 24, 24, 23, 23. I mean, it was really close and they were shooting really low numbers. And so I think sometimes it is good to see that. We love to see a birdie fest. I prefer to see that more in like a Ryder Cup setting. I think when Mm -hmm. we do match play, I love to see birdies, eagles. I think that's what makes it really Mm -hmm. interesting. So I would prefer when they do the Ryder Cups to make those courses a little bit more gettable. But no, I like to see the guys struggle. I think it makes them more relatable. I think Mm -hmm. it's something that, you know, we can kind of feel like, oh, they they chunk chips too. Like they're just like us. And so Mm -hmm. I do like to see them struggle at times. And so I think that's why I prefer majors compared to, you know, just like a week like this. But I do think it's fun to see it once in a while. Normally on a course like where they had the Byron Nelson, it's a chip and putt, you know, it's like you, whoever's putting the best wins. Yeah. I know it's a really stupid, obvious statement. It's common sense. It's like mm-hmm. every single week. No, but it is true. It's, you have to get, you have the, to ball get the ball in the hole. hole. And so when you're looking at this leaderboard, it's a huge mix of names. You do have the top guys up there, but you have some guys that you really haven't heard in a while who played really well compared to major weeks mm-hmm. where I feel like the cream rises to the top and you get to see some really, yeah. really great golf and you don't get a, you don't, get away with bad shots, you know, it, it, it's really amazing to watch them play. Yeah. And it's fun to watch them struggle. I know, I, I know that it sounds horrible no, to say. I know the guys on tour probably hate it when they have to play these really difficult golf courses, but I prefer They're that. so good at it. Yeah. Like, the, when they're so good at golf, like, it, it's it's nice to see them shooting, you know, only a, f- a couple under around and being in it because, like, that's exciting. Like, that means that it's really tough and that just shows how – Thing good they are and that's what i enjoy about it but granted then there, there are times like the u.s open at shinnecock in 2018 it was almost unplayable like they literally almost lost the course and it was ridiculous you know a nine iron hit to the front of a green was rolling off the back like it's just it was crazy like that's that's a little extreme now i don't think a tournament needs to be won at even par or plus one like i think justin i want to say justin rose won at plus one at marion or something or somewhere along that lines and it's just like that's way too hard. And you're only really going to see that with the USJ. They're the only ones that are going to do that. So you kind of have both ends of the spectrum where it's, is it too easy or is it too hard? And I think like weeks like last week, um, you know, like the US Open at Pebble, like there's just certain weeks when you know that around eight to whatever under is going to win. And that's really exciting because any everyone's still in it if you make the cut. Yeah. And, and I think that since we've played, we can appreciate how good of golf they're playing when they're shooting mm-hmm. three, four under as the winning total. But I think weeks like this at the Byron Nelson proves how really good they are to people who might not know yeah. much about golf because this course was still set up very difficultly. Like yeah. it's not like it was just the greens weren't that easy. No, they're not that easy. And so it really shows like how good these guys are. If they could go to your home course on a random day, um, back playing the back tees, they're going to shoot anywhere from like a 60 to a 64. They're not yeah. going higher than that. And mm-hmm. it, it's truly impressive how good they are. I remember I've told the story before, but I played with Max Home. We played at True North, which is not an easy golf course. It's no. not like you lose a lot of golf balls there. And he easily easily shot like a 62 63 yeah it's like 
damn. Yeah. <laughs> it can't, like, you can't even compete. Like, I don't feel like I'm a bad golfer and I can't go out and shoot, you yeah. know, that just every single day. And so, again, I think weeks like this, it is good to show them, like, going really low. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't prefer it. I prefer I when it. they shoot. Um, what's, what's, like, your sweet spot? Well, I like kind of anything from like eight to 14 under par, right? Because that means that the course was, it was a good test of golf. So I just, I don't know anything like north of anything over 20 under is just too much. Like, you know, 18, 19, that's kind of like pushing it. But anything over like 20 under to win a tournament, it's like, you got to set a little harder than that. Honestly, I don't know what to talk about this week. I feel like this is such a boring week. I know. I mean, so it's weird. So, okay. So we've come off the Byron Nelson and then like JT, Jordan Speed, Xander, they're all in the mix at at the end on Sunday, which was kind of surprising because usually weeks when it's shootouts, it's guys like KH Lee who win, guys that... I was really thinking to put money on him. Um, and he, and he went two week, two years in a row at Craig Ranch. So we had that, but then we're going into this week and no one's really talking about Scotty Scheffler. Like what are people are talking about tiger walking up and down hills, which is <laughs> great. But like, we, we already saw that at Augusta, like, why is that news to us? Augusta has so much elevation change there that like anything else he does this year shouldn't be that difficult. Like that shouldn't be that crazy that a month later he's walking up hills at Southern Hills and then Phil's supposed to still be in the field. But then he says like three days ago, yeah, I'm not actually not in the field. So that leaves me thinking one of two things happened. Either one, someone said to Phil, yeah, no, not happening. Just we'll, we'll say something nice about you, but don't play. We don't want you here. Or two, Phil said to himself, you know what? My game's not ready. I don't think this is it. And I can guarantee you that number two did not happen because Phil obviously needs money. Like we're hearing all these stories about his money. The the money talk about Phil has been around the golf world for years. I'm sure you've heard it for years. I've heard it for years. Like this is nothing new. Like people are like, oh my God, I can't believe 40 million gambling debts. I'm like, I heard it was a lot steeper than that. Um, So there's just no reason for Phil to not be in the field because he'd be making money regardless of making the cut or not right this week. So it, to me, just says there's something nefarious or whatever going on where someone's telling him to stay away. Cause there is no reason that Phil Nicholson sh- would not be in this field. There's just no way. You know, it, it's interesting because I was thinking along the same lines as you, but the PGA of America put out a statement saying we would love for him to, you know, participate. We welcome him in. So that made me think that they did want him there. So I don't know who said don't play. And then I also saw yeah. Matt Janella post that he was shooting high 70s at the farms, which is in mm. Rancho Santa Fe. And of course, I, I we used to play that course at SDSU. That was our home course. And it, it can eat you up. But I also shot 63 on that course. So <gasps> it, it's kind of like if you know how to play, you can yeah. play it. So I... I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's. I wonder if it's a combo of the two. Like, I wonder if it's a combo of Phil not wanting to go out and shoot like 82 days. And also the PGA of America being like, you know what? We don't want to be the first ones to have you back. Right. So when Phil was losing sponsors, no one wanted to be the first sponsor to drop. No one wanted to be the first and no one wanted to be the last. You wanted to get there in the middle where no one really talked about it. So I don't think the PGA of America really wanted him to come back. Now that's why I'm saying I think it was one of those things where they were some, where they said, look, we'll we'll put out a nice statement about you, we'll say nice things about you, but like don't show up. Like this is it's just not gonna work. And that's my thing. Cause I just even if Phil is still shooting a bajillion over par, 
he's still going to make money for being there. You know what I mean? Like he's still going to get sponsor money. He's still going to get whatever money for being there. So it just, to me, doesn't make sense that he wouldn't play other than the, it just, to me, there's just no way that Phil Mickelson is like being like, you know what? I'm going to put my ego aside and I'm, you know, I'm going to not do it because I'm not ready. Like, I just can't see Phil doing that. It's a very unlike Phil statement (laughs) to do that. Right? Yeah. But maybe it is. I don't know. How would you feel about, Phil playing in the field. I know that you put a tweet out saying that you wish he was playing and that <laughs> it's, good for <laughs> it's good for him to be in the field. Like, do you still stand by that? I mean, I think at this point, it's still a bit crazy, the backlash that he got. I know that, you know, it, it wasn't great, but this is like continuing on for a very long time. And then you have Greg Norman, who actually is actually being very, very problematic. <laughs> and he's still just like skating by, you know, it, it's just a little bit yeah. weird. I do wonder when Phil's going to come back, when he's going to play. Um, but do you think him being in the field of the PGA would have been good for golf or not? Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been great for golf. Granted, there would have been a lot of questions. Like Alan Shipnuck's book comes out this week. Um, so I think that was going to be part of it too. But I just, I think he's he's good for the game. And like you said, I'm I'm just surprised that he's still receiving like all of this backlash because it's been, it was what, like end of February? Because I remember we were taught, it was like really fresh when I was at API in March. And I mean, that's two and a half months ago. So it is kind of surprising me that like he's still getting the backlash that he hasn't come back like that. Unless that there must have just there's there has to be other stuff going on like in golf that we just don't know about. Like because none of this adds up like there has to be other stuff going on behind the scenes with him that maybe there were other issues and this was just the tipping point or whatever. But like it just doesn't add up like Grayson Murray literally as an adult hit on a teenager in high school and said, damn, it sucks that you're in high school because you're cute. Like, I mean, granted, we know Grayson Murray has issues, but like that to me is kind of more cancel. Okay. That's not more cancelable, but it's, they're equally bad. They're not good. Like what Phil said, wasn't okay. You know what? I'm just going to stop. Cause I'm digging myself in a hole and I, it's just, I'm just going nowhere with this, but you know what I'm saying? Like people forget about other shit, but like for some reason, I don't know. Maybe Greg Norman's just not helping Phil's case. Like, what if Greg is just making this worse? I don't know. It's a really difficult topic and conversation because I don't think we have enough information to make a sound argument on if he should or shouldn't be playing or the backlash that he should have. And so it's just the whole this whole conversation with Greg and Phil and the tours it's tough to talk about it really is hard to talk about and you don't want to just brush past it because it's a huge story within golf and you know the tour just denied the players access to go play Uh, who knows if that's true or not because it's just so difficult to know what's true and what's not true and like you're saying you don't want to put your foot in your mouth saying that I I believe this or I believe that when we have no facts yeah nothing it's all hearsay right now and it's like I I I, I don't know. Like, I don't know Phil's situation. I've heard things here and there. Who knows what's true, what's not true. I've heard things about me that are mm-hmm. so off base, which makes me feel <laughs> like maybe it's not. And so it's it's just, it's hard. Like, I wish we could just play golf, 
that'd be fun. <laughs> and not and you and, and not have all this like craziness. It, it is really interesting because the golf world is basically high school. It is. The drama that happens and yeah. stuff like that happens to me all the time. And so it's like, what's actually true and what's not true going on behind the scenes of, you know, the tour and with Phil. But, you know, Greg Norman got in some hot water saying, you know, they asked him about, you know, what's going on. He was like, you know, we all make mistakes. <laughs> Great. I think the biggest mistake that Greg Norman has made recently was probably his, um, his, his third leg popping out at the beach with the dog, which is still not a great place to get a boner. Um, and then the naked like shower picture, like those are Greg Norman's mistakes, but like those are, I I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just saying he makes a lot of mistakes. I will say though, I mean, I get this comment all the time and I think it might be very fitting for Greg Norman shut up and just take your clothes off. It was so much more fun when he- (laughs) Oh, that's awful. You poor fucking thing. (laughs) He's just like naked. Like, and that was the biggest Greg Norman story that we had. Maybe that, maybe that's the route that he needs to continue to go. (laughs) Literally though. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I looked back on his Instagram recently and he's deleted all of his like suggestive pictures. They're not, they're not there anymore. Yeah, Saudi Arabia was probably like, yeah, we're not into that. Yeah, they're all gone. Every single one of them has been removed. And if I, 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 would, I mean, obviously, I don't know anything about the situation, but if, if you told me that that had nothing to do with his business partners, I would call you a liar. Like, there's just no way. Like, where there is smoke, there is fire. If it quacks like a duck, it's a motherfucking <laughs> duck. Like, sorry. So out of mistakes that we've made in our life, Amanda, what's, what's one of your biggest ones? So I was thinking about this and a lot of mine, like, I really can't tell them like I should they're just not things I would publicly admit um Christ what have I done oh actually so two weeks ago when I was going down to the um the Wells Fargo I was I was it was a Monday night I was trying to book a hotel room for Tuesday and Wednesday and I booked it for Monday night just Monday night I thought I booked it for Tuesday and Wednesday night no so I ate the cost the, the hotel wouldn't call me back like they just took my money and ran and so that was, that was my mistake. And then here's another one. When I was a kid, I don't remember this, but my parents always tell the story. I get, I, there was like, we were at a friend's house and their neighbor's cat had wandered over when they were having some like backyard barbecue. And I was like, I've never really seen a cat in person before. This is crazy. So I'm probably like three or four at the time. And I guess I like stuck my finger in the cat's ass. Cause I was like, this is weird. It's just, it's here. Like, what do I do? Like, it's just looking at me. Um, so I did that cat ran away. Cat comes back like an hour later. I picked the cat up and threw it in the pool. So I guess those are mistakes or maybe just cries for help. I don't know as a three-year-old, but those are probably my, my biggest mistakes, you know, cause I just don't make this thing. Yeah. You're, you're perfect. I am perfect. But what about you? Other than cutting bangs and dyeing your hair Wednesday, Adam black. Yeah. Yeah. That was Wednesday Adams. Black. Yeah. That was definitely a big mistake. I would say another one when I was little, I I like really bad social anxiety. And so I didn't want to ever talk to anyone. I ripped my pants all the way up the back, like literally from like top down to the crack. And I just grabbed the fabric, pulled it and like stuck it in between my cheeks and like wobbled around. That was a big mistake. I should have just gone straight. How old were you? Oh, um. 14. <laughs> Like nine? Like, like Okay, so it was an acceptable no, age. No, like it was like a little bit like past it. Like it was a little past. That was definitely a big mistake. I um another one was fully believing my parents that Santa existed yeah. until I was about fifteen. Shut the fuck up. I could so see. Oh my god. 
That is, oh, that is so you. That is, that is so you. I can't, I can't. I know. In Easter Bunny, that must have been really shocking when you got to college. You know, there were no baskets there for you. Uh, you know, I, I was like on board about that. Like I knew the Easter Bunny yeah. probably didn't exist, two fairy, you know, all of that. But that. Santa, Santa, I believed in for a very, very long oh. time, like an uncomfortably long time. I remember like, and I was like six or seven. Kids were like, you're dumb. Like, there's no Santa. And I'm like, no, like, I believe. Even I after believe. they told you there was no Santa, you still believed in Santa. The kids, yeah. All these kids were telling so me. Even no after Santa. you heard the truth for a long time, you still believed in Santa. I well, respect that. My mom, if you, anyone who knows my mom knows that she isn't alive. She gets like a penny over. But she's alive? Oh, uh, she doesn't lie. Does no, not lie. I think you said anyone that knows my mom knows that she is alive. And I was <laughs> no, like, that's a weird way to enter a room. Kind of weird though. She's a, I think she's like part robot because she has like no emotions, never cries. But Fair. she never lies. And she's the most honest person. Like if we oh get changed back and it's like a penny over, she'll go back and wait in line oh. for an hour to give the penny. And so I was like, my mom would never lie to me about Santa Claus. Like it, it, it just would never happen. And so everyone was telling me it doesn't exist, but I was be like, mom, like does Santa exist? And she goes, yes. And so I believe <gasps> my mom. And finally I was like 14, 15 and we were all sitting around. It's Christmas Eve and my aunt goes, you know Santa doesn't exist. And I go, Mom, does Santa exist? And she goes, well, I think we need to talk. <laughs> I, like, did not talk to them. I was, like, bawling hysterically next morning because they would go all out for Christmas, too. Like, they would, like, put tinsel where Santa walked and they would, Aww. you know, like, eat the carrot and the cookies. Where I'm, like, 14 and my sister's 18 they're still doing this they like wrap the presents like differently like what's you know they'll like That's santa so leave a cute. note for us and the whole next morning chris was like this is it from santa this, this is, is a whole santa. it's a letdown it's, it's like, all a lie <laughs> i'm impressed that you made it halfway to 30 though believing in santa like that's admirable oh uh, like, yeah very. Yeah, yeah, it's embarrassing. No, I'm kidding. Definitely admirable. It's, it makes sense also on why I had so many dating traumatic experiences. Because if I can believe that Santa exists until 15, then my boyfriend definitely didn't cheat on me. Like, there's no way. No, no way at all. Like, it's it's just not. It's not possible. It's just. But not I think possible. on that. Do we need to take a break? Do I need to tell you what other things aren't real? Yes. We're going to take a quick break. Amanda's going to crush more of my dreams. Then we come back. We have a special guest. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. And we are back. Hopes and dreams crush. Thank you so much for that, Amanda. You're welcome. <laughs> we have a special guest, Andy Molitor from Bat Spurts. He is going to help us preview the PGA. And we're very excited to have you on. Thanks for joining on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited, uh, excited to see Tough Golf back after man, it was it wasn't a great week for cheering your guys on. You felt like Felt like they were doing well, and then you realized like somebody else was shooting ten under that day, and you weren't doing all that well as it as it turned out. So excited for a, a good course this week. It should be really, really difficult, which is fun sometimes. Yeah, we were talking about in the beginning of the episode. Do we prefer to see the guys go really low, or are we liking the hard golf courses? And we both decided that hard golf courses is the way to go. So we are excited for the PGA. What are some things that we need to look out for on the course this week? It's tricky. It's like, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, we had Mexico where, hey, this is a course we've never played before. And then we had the TPC Potomac as the replacement because they're using Quail Hollow. And it's like, yeah, we've seen this, but it's been like five years. This is another one of those where it's, I mean, it's hosted like, I think seven combined majors, but it's been a long time. (laughs) I mean, you can't go look at like the 1957 US Open and glean anything. But even the, the previous one, 07, the course, it just yeah, that's so far. It, it had been so yeah. it's a long time ago. The equipment's different. Oh, I mean, yeah, you can you joke about the equipment from like '57 when they're using wood, and I mean, but even now, like it's carbon wood age, guys. So it's it has changed just in like the last whatever 13, 14 years, however you want to say it. But they also made yeah. some major course adjustments because it is a super old course. It was built in the Depression, and you know, like trees grow, and just certain parts of the course erode in a certain way, and um, Ron over here at Betsports Golf, he wrote a really good preview, which we just have up on the Twitter now. And I lean on him a lot because he does half my research for me. <laughs> He's great, but uh, he did a good job of explaining that they they had to make it tougher because it was playing a, a little easy-ish in 07. And a good explanation he put together was especially the greens. Like they started to get some ridges around the edge of it, which is nice. I'd lo- it sounded great to me, like golfing. Yeah, everything funnels in. Yeah, everything <laughs> just kind of funneled into that. I mean, they shaved off the edges of the greens. They they trimmed up a bunch of trees. They made parts of it easier. So the fairways are wide as hell. It's like forty yard fairways in some spots, which is super wide. But a lot of them are. You know, t- tilted off into some pretty tough Bermuda rough. There's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of tests too because it is 7,500 yard par 70. Like that's I don't know how many they're saying all these par fives or at least three shots to the green. That's you know four for me I think at least. So the 600 yard par fives, real long par threes. It's just it's gonna it's like you said if you want to see a tough course if you want to cheer for the course this is the week. I think I fall in that bucket too. Although I don't mind. I don't mind occasional birdie fests where just somebody gets to go, you know, bananas and shoot 32 under or something. But this is, yeah, this is my preferred watching type of golf for sure. Give me carnage all day, every day. 
Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. We're like, that's what we like to see. Like last week is less so what we want to see. We want to see more of what we saw this year at Wells. And that's when golf is fun. Do you think it's a disadvantage to play a course like uh, they did recently and then go out and play at a major? Or do you think it's a good confidence booster to, you know, make a ton of birdies and get ready for a difficult golf course? I wonder about that. That's a good point. No one's really brought that up. That's like, uh, you know, golf, golf's played between your ears quite a bit. And sometimes like that confidence, like uh, we had Brian Mull on a show a couple weeks ago. He's a former PGA caddy. He talked, he had some good insight just from like play or played, played and caddied at Potomac. And he said, sometimes that par putt, you know, that 12 foot par putt you make on day one is so important for just your confidence the rest Mm -hmm. of the weekend. So maybe there is something to somebody going out. It's like, you know, like I shot like 22 under last week. I'm I'm dialed in, you know, just because the course is completely different and there's going to be, you know, a, a variation of difficulties and different kinds, you know, there's still similar shots. Like you're going to hit a lot of the same approach shots there that you did here. It's just, yeah, you know, it's, it's a shot in for an Eagle look rather than I need to save par here. I think players who thrive off of confidence, uh, Jordan Spieth, big one for me. I think like that week was huge for him to get him in a right headspace going into this week. But I need you to talk me out of picking JT. I, for some reason, I always think that Justin Thomas is going to tear it up in the majors. He played well last week. I feel really good about him this week, but I need you to talk me out of it because I don't know if he's the pick. Yeah, I, again, like if I, I ran my numbers this morning, just my first run through of looking at what I think is important here. And it is, you know, guys who hit it long, but still kind of accurate because you can't just have sprayers. Look at Bryson's a hundred to one to win this tournament. I mean, that speaks to a lot of uh, the skill set you're going to need here. And again, JT, he popped up right at the top of all my names. I think I have him third on my list. I, I used him a little bit last week. I played him to win. I played him in some one and dones. I liked him a lot. I was happy with his results, I guess, for the one and dones. He made money uh, when a lot of people ended up on like Sam Burns, who didn't make any money. Uh, but that would be. It would have been it would have been nice if he'd won. That would have been a lot, but it just it feels like he doesn't have that it like that the knack when it when he gets there with the lead or he's he's in the chase on a Sunday. It just didn't feel like he had the confidence. It's like the guys like K H Lee and obviously like you mentioned Jordy. Jordy looked great. Everybody yeah. talks, you know, we sit there in April and we talk about, oh, Rory this. No, it's Grand Slam. That. It's like, this is this is Jordy's Grand Slam. Like, I don't know why that uh, why that storyline doesn't get brought up more. And this is perfect. Like, he just came up from Texas. He's near home again. He's playing super good. Like, his number is going to get beaten to the ground. Everybody's going to bet on him. But I might just be part of everybody because as much as... I bet against him a couple of years ago when he was playing poorly and it was nice. Like he, he's good again. Like he's playing fine. His form's good. So I, I can't talk you out of JT other than maybe the Sunday stuff. Maybe he's a good yeah. one to just, uh, you know, play, play him to be top 10 again. So, you know, at the Byron Nelson, everyone was on Willie Zilly. Will Zalatoris, he was the man to win it. Everyone was picking him. He played like shit. So when it comes to looking at favorites going into tournaments, do you take that into consideration? Like, oh, everyone's on him. He must have a good week. Is that kind of what starts like the narrative of like a Will Zalatoris winning? Or is it based off of the numbers? And it just like he fit the course. It looked good. And, you know, everyone thought that, you know, he was going to get it done. Yeah. I mean, he did fit the course other than his 
putting yips putting <laughs> it was and it's one of those things too where it's, it's bent grass we finally get bent grass again it's a nice easy surface and some of these guys who have trouble putting and you know, they can find some forgiveness on surfaces like these like you've seen matsuyama right near the top and that's kind of what we've seen from him when he wins a tournament it's like his putting can be shitty sometimes but he gets it together here and there and he just wins a tournament because the rest of his game is so good and that's kind of what Zalatoris is although it was it was a little disappointing to see him play not even not even make the cut like i figured we'd be able to see some scoring out of the guy so rough rough scenes for him and maybe a look at him again with a, a couple, you know, a couple days off, maybe he got up to Tulsa a little earlier because of that. Maybe not the worst thing in the world, but it's one of those things too, where once a guy gets bet and bet and bet and the market loves him like this, his number kind of sucks. Like it's a lot more yeah. fun to bet on these guys before they get good and win. Um, same thing with Scotty Scheffler. Like last year, his numbers were huge. And eventually when people were able to get some wins early, they got some good numbers and now he's going to be priced like where he should be priced. So Zalatoris is going to be a tough, tough one to add to the card again because of his price. And he could just stink again on the green. So I'm maybe avoiding him. There's so many good names this week. Just everyone's here except yeah. Phil. <laughs> How do you feel about that? We were, we were talking about it earlier. It feels like, again, like we just, it sucks we're not getting the whole picture. Like, do you remember yeah. at Augusta where it's just like, the, hey, he's not playing. That's it. Nobody's saying anything. Why? Where it's just like, there's all these, and then you get the fun. It's fun with golf Twitter, the conspiracy theory. It's like, oh man, the, you know, the Augusta just told him to kick rocks. They told him you can't come, which honestly, I think might hold some credence. But I think this one is probably mm-hmm. him just saying, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be here. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to answer questions. I wouldn't want to go do media if I were him right now. That doesn't sound fun at all with the book no, saying how sucks. bad he was at gambling and between that and the Saudi league, like, you know, defending is one thing, but man, that seems like no fun. So I'm fine with him hoofing it and going, paying off his gambling debts with some oil money instead. <laughs> so if you had, if you're Phil and you need one bet this week to cash in big, who would it be? <laughs> I haven't even looked at, it probably is JT top 10. Like if they're going to give plus money on him again, like he's, he's perfect. He is playing well. I just don't know if he's playing well enough to win. If that's plus money again, that's probably a bet. I liked that one last week. I like that one again. There are some guys where it's just, man, I love this guy this week. It's just, he doesn't have that killer instinct. Doesn't have that uh, KH Lee instinct apparently, which <laughs> I loved when he was like, I want to be number one in the world and the sexiest man alive. <laughs> I was like, I resonate with that. <laughs> yeah, they put out they put out a good tweet. Uh, they had a picture of him last year and this year. He looks better. I think he looks better this year. Like, he does. He's, he's coming along on both. Yeah, with the cowboy hat on. I was like, okay, I see it. <laughs> so we were talking about Scotty Scheffler. You just mentioned him. I feel like he's always priced at the correct spot. But going into these majors... He doesn't really seem like someone people are really talking about. And I think they mention him because obviously he's been winning consistently. But even at the Byron Nelson, his name was getting thrown around, but it really wasn't like the top pick. Everyone's talking about Will Zalatoris. Is it because when you put him into the data, it just like courses don't really match up well for him or because there are players like a Tiger Woods that, you know, everyone or, you know, like a Jordan Spieth that people just gravitate towards uh, more towards compared to like a Sky Shuffler? Some of his numbers don't match up. And it's he's one of those guys too where he's good enough where his numbers are gonna suss him out. Like, yeah, this is a top 
10, top 15 golfer, no matter what. But he he's just doing things you can't explain. Like sometimes you look at some of these golfers that don't don't pop up towards the top of some of the metrics used, but like, yeah, but he just gets it. Like the guy's the guy's doing it. Like you, you, you can't quantify some of these things. And some of the shots he made at Augusta, it's like, you know, how are we gonna look at the numbers before he came in here and say he's gonna make that, you know, he's gonna be able to make these shots or putt the way he's putting right now. And, you know, the way he's putting along with everything else, putting is hard to predict because even the best putters can go out there and just, just absolutely slap it around on the dance floor. And then some of the guys who, you know, like we said, can't put worth a heck, you know, just go out there and they're just draining 25 footers. Like there was one Ian Poulter round four last year. I can't remember what tournament it was. It's not like he won, but just like one day he started draining all these 30 footers. I'm like, that's going to goof with his stats because he's not that's good of a putter. So sometimes, sometimes the stats definitely lie. It's like any sport and Scotty, Scotty should be the favorite. I think maybe last week people weren't on him because said, that's ah, just a warm up event. He just wants to get ready. Yeah. He wants to add another big trophy to the case. Okay. So <laughs> Amanda loves what well, we both do. We love Hovland. We love him. He's so cute. Do we fade him this week? I, I don't, uh, his numbers there. He's kind of in that second tier of like 20 to one. He's right around Cantlay, you know, a little longer than Spieth. Xander, who played very well somehow after, like, I, w- I just assumed he missed the cut. And then I saw his score on Friday. I'm like, oh, he's through to the weekend. And then he shoots like 20 under the weekend. So I don't know if he was sandbagging on Thursday and decided he wanted to play a little more golf because he went on a bit of a tear, but. I, I don't mind Hovland at all here. He's a guy that always pops for me because, again, he's he's a bit of a high-end ball striker. Like, he's going to be fine here. His distance is good enough. Like, he's not a top 10 bomber, I wouldn't suppose, but he's going to be in the top 20, 30 as far as driving distance and accuracy. So, I yeah, looking at my stats here, I have him, like, in my top 15 as far as guys I think some of the knocks I have against him are scrambling and some of his three putt avoidance, which they, I said, like they shave these greens off. There's going to be a lot of runoff. There's going to be problems where, yeah, you're going to be 20 feet below the hole looking at uh, a shot you need to get up and down. So that's kind of been a knock on him. If he finds the greens, he probably just, you know, competes and wins because we won't have to worry about his chipping. Yeah. Amanda, who, who are you liking? Who are your couple of your favorites? You know, obviously Sky Scheffler. Like, there's just, there's no reason to me that he's not going to go out and play well. And I hate taking, like, the chalk bet. I hate taking the person that everyone else is, like, super bullish on. But there's just no reason to not be. Like, he's, he says it's his favorite course. He loved, he just played the first time since the renovations. He likes the renovations. He had a good warm-up last week. He didn't play great, but who cares? Like, I think that he comes into this in a really good spot. And there's not all that chatter about him winning for a second time in a row, like a second major in a row. There's none of that, it, which was this kind of the same when he won the masters, there was really no chatter about him as world number one or whatever, and winning his first major because tiger was playing. So there's other stuff that I think kind of lets him fly under the radar this week. And I think he could really play, play well. Yeah. No, I'm liking Scotty. So here are some of the other, I, I don't hate Max Homa. I think he plays well on really hard golf courses. 
I like Lowry, I like Horschel, and I like Jason Day. Those are just kind of some like mm. good value picks that I think that people should watch out for. How, how off am I when you put it into the data? See, so here's the thing. So I think there's two ways that people bet, obviously off of like intuition, a feeling, yes. like a gut feeling. And then there's the other side of it, which, you know, BetSpurs does really well, is the data. They look into the golf course. They look into the key stats. They look at the players, their past history. And that's something that I would never do. But I'm actually starting to realize how important that is, especially in golf, when you think that golf is very unpredictable and anyone could go out and shoot really well. But when you actually look at the data, it's not as unpredictable as you think. There are certain golf courses that fit certain players. If it's their eye, their game. And so there are players that you can just eliminate almost immediately just looking at the data for golf courses. And so it's been cool like to see the inside look through BetSports and all of their data because that's something I, I never used to do. And I was really struggling with my picks and I started to like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, of course you don't want to take, you know, like Sam Burns on this golf course. And I would be like, all for him this week. He's great. <laughs> and then the data's like, you're a fucking idiot. Of course it's not him. <laughs> so based off of some of those guys, some great value picks, who else should we be looking at? And, it, and is my gut intuition way off on that? Or am I in the right direction? My Jason Day numbers are never right. So I'm not going to sit and tell you you're wrong on that. Like I bet against that guy and he wins and I bet on him and he does poorly. But <laughs> yeah. so in, until Amanda's point too, sometimes this, this kind of gets, this has the stink of like, if Scotty Scheffler plays like he has played at the tournaments he won, like I don't care who's in the field or if this course is 8,000 yards, he might just win by three. And we all sit here. Like it feels like one of those moments where you sit there Monday and be like, why would I have bet on the jets? Like the jets are so bad. And <laughs> it's like, well, why would I, you know, I, I tricked myself. I overthought it. And I've, I've been pulling a real DGen move with some of these chalky, chalky favorites where I'll find some other bets like from somebody else. I like usually baseball, or I ended up with an NBA series price with Rom. John Rom to win, and well, his price was like six to one or something hilarious. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. four to one at some places. I found a five to one. Yeah, it was. And I parlayed it, it was with three three fifty plus three fifty at one point. Yeah, it was just got beat up. So I took it and I parlayed it with the Mavericks to win the series against the Jazz at that point. And I'm like, well, now I have John Rahm at like 12 to one. I don't feel so bad. <laughs> and the Mavs just, and obviously the Mavs have advanced, but I did the same thing with JT last week because his number sucked. And I parlayed it with some baseball. Then you sit and you sweat baseball totals all day. And like, all right, now we got JT at 27 to one. So I'm probably going to take a couple shots with Scotty and some baseball, like over the next couple of days, wait for a good baseball total and do some parlays. This is not financial advice. This usually doesn't work. <laughs> like it worked out with John Rahm and it was super fun to actually cheer for the chalk donkey pick at the end of the day on Sunday. But uh, I'll probably have a couple of Scotty parlays like that, where I mix it or you can take him with a, a man. I've seen people doing it with like, Iga Schwitek to win the French Open women's side. Like you can get there's some there's some places where you can parlay anything you want. So go ahead and do that if you really like Scotty, if you want a big number, but he's probably probably not terrible to be betting him at 11 or 12 to 1 anyway. So him, um, people haven't talked much more Akawa. That was he was our, wow. you know, he was our golden child last year. And yeah, it's kind of it's some poor results probably don't take away from just how good he is with his second shots. And you're going to be tested wildly with your second shots here. So I think his number is probably 
you know, it's still only 16 to one, but people aren't really talking about him. If you want to be the the person who bets somebody that other people aren't, it's always fun to win with one of those. That That's always my move. I like going with mm-hmm. someone who has no shot. The only problem is they have no shot and they never end up winning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just need one of those like 150 to ones to bet one time with $10 on it. I'm good for a while, right? Like that's all I need. Like, are, do you think, so obviously last year, Phil won, came literally from the fucking clouds. Like no one was expecting yeah. Phil to get it done. Do you think we're going to see another surprise winner this year at the PGA or the guys at the top are just too good right now and we're just not going to see someone come out of nowhere to win it? I mean, the fact that it happened means it can happen again, I guess. Yeah. But man, that was, yeah. I mean, you could have given me like a chunk of names where it, Phil, wherever his price was and all the other names. 201, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the names in that, yeah, I, I think Amanda's right. It's right around there. The names it in that, it's like, crazy. it's like somebody, Harry Higgs is 200 to one. Like you can go no, bet. Is he really? You can go bet Harry Higgs this week. Like probably. <laughs> Maybe God, he's gonna win now that I said. Do you ever think that'd be like a Shigeki Moriyama? That's the one that would be a like the you know what I mean? Like the, those are the names that you think are two hundred to one or the club professionals, right? Like the field, like Sonny Skinner. Here you go, two hundred to one, like that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think I think crazy. the you know the the working pros they're down around five hundred. If you really want to burn some money but yeah that 200 to one range like in bet Stuart sink to win cameron Tringali, chris kirk i mean he's not playing horrible i'm, I'm talking myself into betting some five dollar bombs it here, just but. baits you in though you know you're like Stuart sink i'm like well, well <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah you put it you put it in the over in the queue there and then you put like 10 bucks on it and you look what it pays out and like well that that wouldn't feel so bad would it if, if it does hit out? yeah <laughs> but yeah just i mean john rom as much as he's been dogged on for the beginning of the year, he ended up winning in a weaker field, but he looked great doing it. And it didn't even look like he was trying that hard at times between him and Scotty being Scotty right now. Rory's playing really well. Morikawa, uh, like I mentioned, Matsuyama's playing really well. I like you it. Xander, week, Xander yeah. Hovland, like Cantley hasn't been talked about a bunch. And like uh, we started with Jordan Spieth kind of streaking right now. And, I don't know. I, I'd have a really hard time seeing like a 200 to one ever hitting, at least when I'm on it. But it, it does feel like somebody at the top of the board is taking it home. And of course, we can't have a major without talking about Tiger Woods. How do we think he's going to play this year? I read some stuff from somebody who was on the course following around, which is, I guess, if you're there, that's what you should do, because that's the best writing you're going to be able to put out that you want people to read. And he said he's still, you know, Walking noticeably, you know, like Augusta, where he had a little bit of a hitch in his giddy up, yeah. but seemed fine. It is a long course. There's a lot of hills. This is going to be a challenging walk, just like Augusta. But he said his shots were looking fine. He looks stronger. Said he noticeably gained some weight, which in this case, I think is good as far as uh, <laughs> I think he was. I don't think he was calling Tiger fat. Said it, probably muscle tone kind of thing. He did look thinnish at Augusta. So I, I don't know if he's in the competition to win, but, and he's going to make a cut though. At least he's another, he's another good cut bet and make cut bets. So yeah, I'm not sure I'd, I'd want to bet against him. If somebody wanted me to, you know, take their action, I wouldn't want that. I don't want to cheer against him. So if he's, if he's healthy, he's been down there playing it. He played nine yesterday. He's, he's been on site playing this and he says he's feeling good. So 
I guess 60 to one. That's a fun one too. The just like, mm-hmm. I remember again, you talk about the numbers and you talk about betting who you like or you want. Yeah. When he won Augusta, I had, I had that ticket. It felt so good, but I had made like six bets on other guys. Like these are what my numbers say. This is what the data says. And then at the end, I'm like, wow. And a Tiger Woods bet just cause I'd feel horrible if I didn't have it. And it, nothing about the data sussed that out. It was just, I bet it because I wanted to have it. And come Sunday, it would have been, I would have been just miserable having to cheer against him. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe another one of those cases. Cause he actually does look like he, you know, he's competing. He made the cut. He got through, I think he was 47th at the masters. So working his way back. Meta, how do you think he's going to play? I think he's a, I think good bets on tiger or top 40 bet um, and a made cut bet. I don't think he's going to do really anything else. But I just, I think with his history at Southern Hills, I think the preparations he's put into it, like you guys have said, he looks better than he did at Augusta, which makes sense because that was a month and a half ago. I think that this could be a good week for Tiger. I don't think he's going to have like a fill win. I don't think anything crazy is going to happen, but I think there's definitely a possibility for a top 40. And I think there's definitely, I mean, you're getting 60 to one on him this week, which is a lot better than we were getting, I think, 40 to one on him at Augusta. So, which I didn't understand because the man had literally just gone out of a car crash and they were like, here, um, take him for the same price as like Tommy Fleetwood. And I just didn't understand that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So what is the biggest key stat that we should look out for? Is it driving distance? Is it um, greens of regulation? Approach. Approaches? Like what What? What, what should we be looking out for? <laughs> if I can get through that statement. <laughs> it's funny. You could be at, you know, a little pitch and putt like last week or the toughest, you know, here um, gosh, what's the one down in South Carolina that I can never think of? The the one where they had the good Ryder Cup in 91. It's escaping me right now. Kiowa? Kiowa, yeah. No, like a really long course like this. Thank you, man. <laughs> but uh, you could be at either of those. And yeah, approach is always super important. Just because you're Wait, not. Isn't that where the PGA was last year? Wasn't it a yes, Kiowa I know, last year? I don't know. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why, why I referenced <laughs> the, that Ryder the Ryder Cup, Cup from 30 years ago. <laughs> it was really exciting. Really exciting. I'd forget. Yeah, I don't know why that I part was not I my I do the brain. same shit. That's wild. <laughs> but yeah, uh, now I've train of thought is gone. Oh, yeah. The pro- approach is important. Doesn't matter <laughs> where you're at. You can be up TPC Twin Cities or down here at a long course. It's super important, obviously. Scoring. You got to be on the green to score. Finding greens and regulation. Mm-hmm. Guys who've you know, you can take some of the stats and look at how they played at courses where the second shots are very difficult. What's their greens. And cause some of their the schedules aren't all the same. Yeah. Some of these guys are playing completely different schedules. Like, Oh, this guy really hits his greens in regulation. Uh, yeah. It's cause he plays all the easy shit. Like <laughs> go look at it when he played some of these tougher courses or go find some yeah. of these courses where the greens are small. The greens are hard. They haven't had a ton of rain. It's been hot ish. I guess it's going to be kind of chilly here for the weekend. They're seeing like highs in the 60s, but uh, 80s and 90s heading into the weekend and not much rain. So the greens are going to be small, sloped, and hard, which that's... So this is a Matt Fitz course. Yeah, kind you're of. Kind you're of, telling yeah. me to go put money on Matt Fitz. Yeah, there's a, there's a few guys who have played difficult courses like this and can consistently find the greens because there's going to be a ton of guys that are just every hole, they're trying to get up and down, trying to save par, and the scoring is going to be week again it's i almost looked super stupid two weeks ago as i got a, every show i did i talked about how hard potomac was going to be and then like how many guys were like six or seven under on day one i know 
And I'm like, oh shit, Andy, you look <laughs> dumb. And then yeah, yeah, the final score ended up being eight under. So like just it needed to let that one breathe a little bit. But I, I do think similar, like there's gonna be a ton of holes where like you're super happy about getting a par. Like when yesterday when JT got a bogey, someone said that might as well be a quad. Yeah. Because you can't have bogeys there. Yeah. Everyone else is scoring on every other hole. Yeah. This is, you know, a lot of pars are gonna feel like birdies here. So a guy like that who can have a few looks at birdie, that's uh that's your winner. Well, I'm excited for this week. I think it's going to be great. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us all that amazing insight. If you guys want to check out more, um, go to betsberts.com. Really, they are incredible with giving you everything that you could ever want and more to help you make your picks. And we are also doing a fun contest together. So if you want to play a round of golf with me, head over to my socials. You can find the links there and we'll be announcing the winner after the PGA. So lots of fun stuff coming up with Betsberts. And again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was great. So I think it's going to be a great week of major golf and we can't wait to recap it on the podcast. So make sure you guys are subscribed. Leave a nice review. We always appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for the support and we will catch you here next time. Thanks for listening. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 